1: build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025
2: infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Career Builder is made for people who have... Let's go. Welcome. This is Michael Call. This world started on Venice Beach. Now he reaching the world. He'll make you laugh till your stomach hurts. Super fly. Nice guy. And pray if you need the word. While he dressed to the nuns. Come on. Get ready for the star search winner. And OG three times. This ain't no beginner. Whether you in your house, you on your burger, out to dinner. On your job, in your car. Turn it up it's a river. Michael Kahl. Michael, yeah. Michael talks to everybody.
0: Michael all, yeah. Michael talks to everybody.
2: Michael Michael talks to everybody. You know what
3: I hope y'all having a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious kind of day. Ain't life grand? You know, I like it enough to come back and do it again. I'm your boy, Michael Kaya, and Michael, talked to everybody. Guess what? Today I was talking to a friend of mine who he's had quite a journey um, uh, through his, uh, I would say, I I just think addiction is too light, you know? Addiction is what I had, you know, what? Just the crack cocaine, but to go to do heroin is a deeper—I I don't know. We, we shouldn't compare our addictions. but Perhaps we should. At any rate, I was the first thing about calling the show a day in the life of a heroin addict. You know, the thing about heroin or any other addiction— It's once you're an addict, you're always an addict. People who know me know I did crack for 23 years. March 1st will be my 12th year of pure sobriety, and I'm still an addict. I'm going to be an addict the rest of my life. Only thing is I ain't no practicing addict. Mm -mm. I I gave my card back and everything. I'm not really even even in the membership officially. But anyway, uh, so I haven't... I won't even figure out the title for this until it's over, because it's going to go by the flow of what we got to say. But the man is my friend. He's an entrepreneur. He's got a hell of a story. And uh, let let me introduce introduce you to him. From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great, the wonderful. And I don't know that's where he started, but that's where he is now. Cigar Williams in the house. Cigar
4: Williams.
3: Oh, boy.
4: How you doing? I'm wonderful, Mike. Wonderful. Something about breathing just makes my day. Yes. <laughs> so it's gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, Mike. And, you know, I was t- talking to you about the title.
3: You know, I'm not clear what the title should be. But I, I want I want to hear your story because there's so many stories and, and so many paths to recovery. Because that's what I like. You're serious about your path, brother. You know, and your path has taken care of you. Once you got back on your right path, all of a sudden you're doing all the stuff you want
4: to do. So tell people, where did it all start? What happened? All right. Um, <clears throat> actually, after I started doing this thing called step work, I found out that it started when I was six years old. What's step work? It's 12 steps and um Narcotics Anonymous, right? And first um, is um, admitting that you're powerless over pretty much everything i'm addicted to everything i learned i can't do just one of nothing but um it's 12 steps and the 12 steps actually lead you to the hands of god what i experienced right okay so you
3: call it step work because you work you're working them steps one of the time to get all 12 of them steps down there's things in there like forgiving yourself. There's things in there like going to the people that you've messed over and and asking for their forgiveness. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if once you start doing your step work,
4: what happened? I was in this loving and caring environment with my grandmother and grandfather, right um, up until the age around six years old, and I found out that um that's where most of my resentment and hurtfulness came from at that age. I never grew from that point, right? So actually, um, I was in North Carolina and my mother uprooted us to go to Norfolk, Virginia. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: So when I get to Norfolk, Virginia, my greeting from my stepfather, uh, since they weren't married, the guy that was dating my mother at the time was a slap in the face. Until my slap slapped me on the floor told me wow. he's my daddy now. And this at six years old and the resentment and pain and anger mm. came there when it comes to um, a lot of resentment I had with my mother, a lot of resentment I definitely had with him. And just from that moment on, I just hated everything and everybody, including myself, right? So as time goes on, uh, he stuck around probably to where I was probably about 12. Not knowing at the time now that he was probably the best thing that ever came in my life because he gave us discipline. So when he left, when I was around 12, that was around, I was born in 71. So that's like 84 when cracking out and all the good drugs came out, you know, hit the street. Uh, Right, right. And when he left, I took off to the streets my, my goal in life was to be the biggest drug dealer in the world, like Scarf and all that. So what happened, um, I actually started dibbling and dabbling with powder cocaine at the age of 13. So dibbling dabbling. Dibbly, dabbling. So you actually was using your own product. Pretty much because I was getting so much at the time. It was just like something. Come on, player. You know that's a no-no, man. You know you can't dip in your own. Not at 14. So the song wasn't out yet. At
3: 14, you hadn't learned it yet. All right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
4: So from that moment on, it was just like, it would turn me to something that I wanted to be. I wanted to be a gangster. I wanted to be a this, I wanted to be a that. And the drugs gave me the excuse to be that, right? So around 14 and a half, 15 years old, we had a drought. In our neighborhood, I mean, it was dry with the cocaine and all that. So okay. I goes out this neighborhood called Huntersville in Norfolk, Virginia, and their thing was heroin. They snorted heroin. they young guys that was my age. That's what they were doing. So, Wait, What was your age? What was your age then? Around 14, 14. 14. Okay, okay, okay. They had an ashtray, them big glass ashtrays full of mm-hmm. something.
3: The light. ones you see on Perry Mason, the ones that somebody always get murdered with
4: that. Okay, all right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, the big good ones. So I goes out there, and they they got a big ashtray full of what looked like to me was powdered cocaine, but it was mm-hmm. her. Whoa. And I was like, man, let me get them in it. And my brother kept telling me, no, no, you won't get none of this. So me being a mean guy at that time, it was like, man, get that crazy thing on for he um before he spill it or whatever. You know what I mean? I took <laughs> one and one of that and I fell in love with the feeling at 14 years old. I'm talking about I fell in love with that wow. nodding out, scratching,
0: mm. going
4: through the park, shooting my gun all up in the air. I could do anything. I'm talking about I became. The cocaine was made me do something else, but the heroin, it actually tra- transformed me into this incredible Hulk dude. And you wow. all, coming up in the projects, you always want to be labeled as the craziest nigga you ever seen in your life. You, you, all, ma- you made it? You made it? I made it. I made it. I was, I'm talking about like, everybody was so shut off from me, and I thought that was the cool thing. But guess what? Nobody bothered me. <laughs> You know, like people have problems in the neighborhoods that they right. could, nobody bothered me. So what happened is, but the downside of that I had no friends. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wanted to be my friend because they figured I was gonna rob him and kill him at the end of the story and all this. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the story. Yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I um I took on this thing, and and when I tell you 14, 15, 16, 17. 18, 19, and then um by 17, my mom had put me out and I went to live but with wait.
3: my Were you considered you consider yourself an addict by then, right? No,
4: no.
2: No,
3: uh-uh. you still just recreational. Uh-uh. I didn't know you could do heroin recreational. I understand something, Cigar. For me, all the stuff you're telling me is brand new. I have a brother who's been an addiction. Almost his entire life, but I don't know anything about heroin. I know about cocaine and
4: crack, but, but this, this is some different th- stuff. This is the kicker. My okay. thing was I could do it when I wanted to, right? Mm. That's what I thought, but I never understood. Only reason I could do it when I wanted to because I kept plenty of it. I was always the seller. You could do it whenever you wanted to, but you always wanted to. I always wanted to because I always had it right, but that was mm. the mix up in my mind, right? So my
3: lord, thank God I wasn't uh, a salesman because right. I'd be dead by now. I had
4: a heart attack by now, you know, and that's why I, I, I got for daily because I seen people over. I got a fit in all story too mm. that that I was in North Carolina and I was sick. I was dope sick, right? Mm-hmm. And the the lady. Had, she was a cancer patient, so she got these fentanyl patches, okay. right, for her pain. So she was like, I'll give you one of these until you don't come in, blah, blah, blah. So I put the patch on, right? When I put the patch on, it wasn't working fast enough, so I got some scissors and cut the I cut the patch. Okay. I ate the gel out of the patch. And I overdosed, and I got a burn mark on my side where the guy stuck the lighter to me and brought me back. Right?
3: Wait, oh, slow down. Okay, here's a procedure I haven't heard of. Come on, somebody put a lighter
4: up against your skin, against my skin, and that fire broke you, brought you back. Broke my dope, brought me back to living. I guess (laughs) because I was. Whoa! Fire
3: will make your ass come back to life.
4: Yeah, the light, the light. Okay. The light. Oh <laughs> my God. All right. So that was one incident. Then there was another incident where I, I probably overdosed a couple of times. You know what I mean? Like literally. Mm-hmm. And um so I remember this, this I was I was sitting in the, cause I'm a songwriter. I, I was sitting in the recording studio with a Desert Eagle sitting on the board where they record at a bag of dope, and I'm listening to something about the name Jesus crying, crying. Okay. And, and just telling myself one day, I say, God, one day I'm going to get off this mess. I'm talking about to the point where I, my whole family had disowned me because I was giving my family is a wonderful family coming down from, again, my grandmother and grandfather, they had a lineage of great children. Right. I'm the, I'm the Dickhead that came up. (laughs) (laughs) thing right? And uh, I was making my family look bad. My whole family, they wouldn't, my my uncles, all the guys that I looked up to in my family, they wouldn't, they disowned me. It was just like I was, a you know, like. But wait, did it matter to you? Did it matter to you that they
3: all would be upset about it and the whole thing? Or did you keep going? I mean, I just, I'm dealing with an addict now, a family member. And it doesn't seem to matter. You know, it seems like we'll we'll argue about it and then maybe he'll be straight a while and then he'll go right back to it. So did it matter to you? It
4: actually did, Mm -hmm. but not enough to make me care. You Mm. you know what I mean? Because I had already been kicked so much, I was used to the feet on me. You know what I mean? So it was like, um, no matter what I did, No matter what I did, I'll always be looked at as the junkie of the family, the slick one that, you know, that this and that. And I had already accepted that title of what people said I was, right? Mm -hmm. That's a dangerous place to be because God said I was something else, but I wouldn't believe God. I'll get to that story in a second. But what happened. In fact,
3: wait a minute. Finish this story and we're going to take a break, but go ahead, finish this story.
4: All right. So, um, but my, I'm going to get into. The um the pain of the addict, right? The pain of that. I'm gonna brief this and then we take a break. It was like I always I'm always I always had a great heart. That's that's what always carried me over. My grandmother's prayers. My grandmother's mm-hmm. prayers always carried me over, no matter what I did. I always believed in God. You know what I mean? That's so right. some days I would just pray for a pill and a meal. That's mm-hmm. all I want all day, a pill of dope and something to eat. That was my prayer.
3: Peel and a meal. And that was it. Wow. I know my brother, if he couldn't get it, man, you won't talk about being ill. Oh, my you God. You haven't even heard of illness until a brother who needs heroin can't get it. And they be heaving and their stomach can't get in it, so it be dry even. It's... It's horrific. It's horrific. Hey, we can come back and talk about how you turned it around and what things you learned from it. This is Cigar Williams. You know, you can make it through life if you just. Go one laugh at a time. Incidentally, that's the name of his company, One Laugh at a Time, because this man went from addiction uh, to to turning around to become becoming a sober, sober man, a man of God as well, and now an entrepreneur, the man that paid me three, four times, and we just put up another gig. And this is all legal. It's above board. Okay, we'll be right back. We're going to take a break. We with Cigar Williams, y'all. Michael talked to everybody. I told you.
2: Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80
1: coming this summer. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith. And we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Empower the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com
0: blueprints.
3: And we're back. Hey, 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 I'm here with Cigar Williams, an uh, entrepreneur out of the Philadelphia area. He throws up really great concerts, and he's also just a great guy, you know. Now, we did have a little trouble. We'll talk about that later, but well, I'll talk about it right now. This dude bought me a cigar, walked me in the middle of a park, and let me light it. He knew you can't smoke in that cigar. His name is Cigar. You can't smoke in that park. Anyway, I got a ticket in Philadelphia for smoking a cigar in a park. But I spent that time where the cop was writing a ticket to talk about him, make fun of him. We kept him on FaceTime video. By the end of the day, 1.7 million people saw that video. So I got to thank Cigar Williams for giving me my most <laughs> viral video ever. Every time I think about a cigar, I think about my friend, Cigar Williams and his company, one laugh at a time. Now, you were telling me about how rough the addiction itself was. Tell me how you turned it around.
4: Um, I got to tell you this one first. Okay. I actually, it was a, it was one time that I was trying to get off of Well, a couple of times I was trying to get off of it. Mm-hmm. But the first day, I was like, man, I'm going to quit this. The second day, I was like, oh, my God. Then the third day, I was ready to go under the sink and drink me some Drano. Woof. Because Straight no chaser. I'm sorry. Worst, go ahead. Worst feeling in the world. It's like having the flu. Times ten, and only thing that can get you right back off of that. But what I did do, I um, I ran across this guy. He had these thing called suboxins. Suboxin? Yeah, I never heard of that. Go ahead. Suboxin. They shaped like a little stop sign. They peach little pills. And about the third day, where you're ill as a research monkey,
2: pop
4: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. one of them, and man, your all the illness goes away, and it's cured. Wow! And then about two days later, I was like, "Man, I want me some dope?" I, but I didn't think I was an addict. <laughs> wow! You see when, when did you
3: realize it, and when did you admit it to yourself?
4: When I, when I, um, my 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 ex wife, um, she lives in New Jersey now. It was a situation where I was doing real good. I was doing real good, and um, I ran back across some raw dope. And I was doing it, doing it, doing it. I supposed to have been selling it, right? And wow. I started doing it. And she found a bundle of dope and a pair of pants. And I was in the bathroom getting high right now. And she was like, this why? And she was like, flush it right now. I said, you got to leave. I said, I'm using that. They wing myself off of it. That was my excuse. I needed to wing myself off the dope. So I mm-hmm. needed that dope that she was holding. Mm. And like, literally, that was the dumbest thing I ever said. And I could see the pain in her face when she had to go back to her family and admit that they were right. Mm. They told her that I was a dope fan and, you know, not no good for nobody. But she wow. just wanted love on me regardless. You know what I mean? went against everything she believed in when I tell you the most beautiful woman and she really did I found out she really truly loved me after that I came a friend of mine that I knew from Norfolk Virginia when I first moved there he was in Philadelphia um his name is Eric Scott mm-hmm. I love him to death like my brother man he saved my life man he said come to Philadelphia and we can put you you know we can get you some help and I really wasn't coming to get help. I was coming because she had done put me out. I had nowhere else to go. Wow. I had come up, went out, everything. And I knew for a fact she was going to start seeing other women in my, other men in my face. And I was going to kill them all. So I felt <laughs> like get out of that city, that little town, because. I knew what it, I played, the, I did know what it was going to um lead to, me going to jail the rest of my life mm. behind my emotions. So I got to Philadelphia October the 14th, 2010. And actually I bought dope with me to get high on the way. So the last day I actually got high was October the 14th. So my clean date is October the 15th, 2010. 2010. Wow. So you got 12 good years in.
3: 12 good years. Wow. I'll have 12 March 1st. And so I'm excited. We're twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we twins. But yours, but yours was heroin. How did you kick it though? You didn't just kick it with the little pink pill shaped
4: like a stop sign. I came up here. I was determined. I had nowhere else to go. I found. I went in a meeting. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know when the obsession left me, I went in the meeting. That first day, I didn't go through. I went through bad withdrawals. I did. I did. So actually, I went to the meeting like five days later. I went to the hospital. They. I went to the recovery house to send me to the hospital for the um, withdrawals. So I, I five days. Then my sixth day, I went to that meeting, and I was. Um, I was sitting in the meeting. Mm-hmm. When I walked in the meeting, Mike, everybody in there was just like me. I'm talking about the, when I tell you mm-hmm. the worst I ever felt in life was the best I ever felt in life. I met people that were just like me. I didn't think nobody on the planet was like me. You know what I mean? You, no people you mean were, as messed up as you or as high as you? They messed up then as me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I didn't think nobody else in life had the stories that I had. I was listening to some of the people share their Spirit, strength, and hope. When I tell you, Mike, it was like God placed me exactly right where I needed to be. And um, it was this little guy named Lester, rest in peace. He was in there calling them bitches hoes, faggots, and I'm talking about just cussing everybody out. He was like the NA mascot. When I tell you, he come in there coming in. There- and he talked talk, mess about everybody. <laughs> and I was watching him, and I was waiting for them to put him out, right? That would have gave me my excuse to go back and kill myself, right? right? So when they didn't, they left him alone and just loved on him and laughed at him and whatever. And and when I tell you, man, that became my best friend, right? And So he, turned, he turned it all the way around? No, he never did. He uh, died. Oh, uh. you know, inspired me to stay. Wow. Wow. He me to stay and everybody knew how I feel about Lester because Lester was the reason I have everything I have today because I didn't leave.
0: You mm. know what I mean? I
4: wanted to get up and this mess don't work. Y'all not loving and caring. I wanted to make an excuse to leave. I couldn't find one.
0: Hmm.
3: But see, the meetings the meetings are for Lester. The meetings are for the people who want them. Not the people that need them. Now, if, if, if all the people who need the meeting would have to mean the meetings had to be outside, you there would be no room for all the people.
4: They would but, be in a baseball field outside. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but Lester coming high came yeah. to the right place. I was in one of our meetings, and it was a little old white lady. She had to be seventy, and she was in a sleeping gown, I guess you call it. The ladies used to wear this cloth gown and she had her house shoes and she sat right in the middle of the meeting cleaning out her crack stem. And nobody said a word to her. And every now and then she dropped it. And it hit the floor and everybody turned over and looked and they went right back to the meeting. Because she was supposed to be in that meeting. This the meeting she needed, you know? We weren't supposed to turn her out. She the one supposed to be there and, and I don't I didn't see her later, but
4: I was glad that no one turned her away. You all know. you had to, all we require is a desire to stop getting high. We don't mm-hmm. we can't measure nobody's desire. And what happened is it's so ironic that now I put I put something in between getting high and waking up. Waking up and get, and getting high, I had to stick something in between it and I realized that laughter is the medicine for your spirit it is. And once your spirit is happy, that's a high within itself.
3: Mm. So how much has laughter helped you in your healing? 133%. Really? Really? Because I know you're coming back, man. You're promoting these comedy shows, and you're getting all new respects from
4: people, families coming back around. Michael, I hate the crowd. Well, it don't matter. When you did my show August, August the 1st, My mother was there. All my uncles was there. My cousins was there. My pastor was sitting up there with Mm. my family, right? Yes. I could have died right after that. Like, literally. Literally, I had nothing else to live for. That was was everything I ever wanted in life was to get my family back on my side. And what happened is, for the last 10 years before that
0: happened,
4: Mm -hmm. I gave— my grandmother was my world. My grandmother was my world. I gave everything. I was the best grandson in the world for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? Before she passed at 102 years old. And um, I the one that bought her her first brand new stove and refrigerator in a hundred years. She never had a brand new stove and a oh, wow. And hundred Every, everyone came with where she moved from. Right. It was just a blessing that my mother's child is the one that did it, you know what I mean it was they did what they buy her her first refrigerator and oh, nice stove, but she cook she that's all she ever did was cook three times a day.
3: well thank God she had a stove I mean she had to do that on a, like a hot plate that would be crazy <laughs> so so wait, so what's the craziest thing that you that you've encountered? During your height, when you was really high, when you was out there,
4: I so, had two attempted murders. One was
3: with a gun, and one was with a hammer. You you try to kill somebody with a hammer? So what is that? Would you have
4: you have anger issues or something? Were you mad or something? Was- messing with me, problem, because I don't bother nobody. So I justify it with if whatever somebody do to me, I can do it back to them a million times worse. <laughs> I don't bother nobody. I'm the nicest person on the planet, so I I don't I don't have a middle ground. I have a one and a ten. Wow! I don't have a two, three, four, five, six, Ain't that, seven, that in there. I ain't that ain't in there? I got a one. Either roster. I love you or blap no, That's me it. <laughs> you know what I mean, and I've been working on that too in my recovery. It's a lot of stuff I've been working on yeah. in my recovery. You know what I mean? And um, relationship.
3: OK, what's the most what's the most beautiful thing that you've achieved in your recovery that you received from your recovery?
4: I have I have my own co- my production company, One Laugh at a Time, Mike. When I tell you, um, it's so fulfilling. It's my purpose. I found my purpose in life. Always been like a, I love laughter. I love laughter. I love walking outside just speaking to people and just putting a smile on people's face daily. So one laugh at a time mainly is about not a big stage. I do this daily. I This is what I now, do.
3: You do it daily. You're sincere about who you are, brother. And I love how you walk through Philadelphia. You own Rittenhouse Square. I don't know how to get a black man over there running shit. But uh, I, I really appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming to open yourself. What was the second attempted murder the first one was a hammer what was
4: the other one it was a a pistol was involved i got upset about some stuff and and come to find out it it had nothing to even do with with my trainer it it was wild it was a friend so-called friend of mine that kind of so-called disrespected me and in my eyes it was disrespect when it all boiled down it wasn't even nothing like i was thinking and that's why I tell a lot of people, too, mental illness is a big, is a big part of drug addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think people just get high because they want to. A lot of people are mentally disturbed. Yes. You know what I mean? No matter what you look like on the outside or how you dress or whatever, mental illness is real. It is. Yeah, it it's is. very real. And they say, which one comes first, the chicken or the egg? Say, which one comes first, mental illness or the addiction?
3: And it's hard to tell. And you don't know, especially out there in the street, you don't know who's out there. You know, some people out there because they choose to get high, some people out there because they have to, and some people are dealing with mental issues, brother. I'm glad that you got past your mental issue because I'm certain that that's what it was. No, I'm just playing with you. I'm playing. I'm playing with you. I'm glad that you persevered, that you got to the other side of it, that you do wonderful stuff, you know, producing shows, comedy shows, healing people. I'm glad you got your family back together, man. I'm glad you got God in your heart. I'm glad you came here to talk to me on Michael Talks, to everybody. If there's one thing you would leave with the peoples, what
4: would that be? If you have some family members Or people that you know and love or used to love, remember God, don't turn his back on you, and you don't have the power to turn your back on nobody else. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
3: I love it. One laugh at a time. Sigar Williams from down in Philly, yo. And he's a real soldier, a real trooper. People love him. Uh, he, he takes me around the square, man And they just show such respect I, I'm really, really glad That you're in a space That is healthy for you, brother And if it's healthy for you It's healthy for the people around you So we all win Yay! I love you, brother Thank you for being on the show Hey, y'all This is Michael Talks to Everybody I told you we talking to everybody I told, you, I told you I told you I told you I told you Anyway, we have a lot of fun around here Hey, if you have any uh, topics And we got plenty of them coming for you But if you have any topics that you think might be exciting, titillating, something that have fun with, go ahead and drop me a letter, ComicKing123 at AOL.com and say, hey, Michael, hit this topic. Let's talk about it. Hey, I'm your boy, Michael Kai. Remember, keep God first. And life is a garden if you dig it. Have an amazing day. Had a good time today. I hope y'all did too, man. Thank y'all for checking us out here at Michael Talks to everybody. Hey, you can follow me, man. I'm easy to follow. I'm on Instagram just under at Michael Kaya. I'm on TikTok. That's Michael Kaya135. I have a very sexy webpage called TheRealMichaelKaya.com. You know, you go over there, you can find out about my merchandise and what I'm doing and where all my shows are. Everything is right there. Or if you really love me, you can go to my Cash App. That's dollar sign, Michael Kaya's money. I'm playing with y'all, but I accept Green Stamp Food Stamp Canadian money. I'll take your bus transfer if you got some time left on it and my morning show. Oh my goodness, the Michael Kaya morning show. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time, yo. Five days a week. This has been a Raylock Group production. I'll see y'all later. <laughs>